here we are. Here we are. Here we are in heaven. Oh. Michael, how are you? Too much bullshit going on. Way too much. Yeah. Yep. Way too like much. Like what? House stuff. Just people are dragging their feet. Okay. So it's just bureaucracy, basically. Bureaucracy. And like, if the bureaucracy doesn't get done and figured out by a certain time, like the whole thing could fall apart. So it's really yes, frustrating. I am familiar with this dilemma. Relying on other people kind of sucks. Yeah. Other people suck. I just hate even complaining about it. It just sounds so stupid yeah. coming out of my mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's okay. We don't have to spend any more time uh, on it. How yeah. is Skeeter? Skeeter is fine. He's doing great. We started giving him melatonin so he could Oh, little baby. Yep, yep, yep. Look behind me, you can see my kitty. Oh, hi, kitty. He's become so much more cuddly in the cool weather, and I'm loving it. That's really nice. Yeah. I found um, a piece of sea glass today on the beach. Oh, mazel tov. Nothing too great. Looks, it looks like a gummy bear. I was going to say it looks like a dick. Oh, okay. All right, there. there <laughs> okay, well... Um, Guess we have explicit content on this podcast now. Yeah, I guess we do. I guess we do. Um, <laughs> Let's just do a 30 minute podcast of us doing explosion noises. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Great. That's about it, really. Just working through my list of things I need to do and mm -hmm. trying to stay cool. Cool. Trying to stay cool. How are you, Hav? How are you? Uh, Baruch Hashem, I'm well. I am in a bit of a tizzy because, as you know, I have been planning for the big Animal Crossing update. That's right. That's like in two hours, right? Well, this is the chaos in my life. It was supposed to drop at 9 p.m. EST tonight, mm -hmm. but it spontaneously dropped seemingly by accident at 9 p.m. EST last night. Oh. So I have been gorging myself on Animal Crossing to an extent like never before. The way I planned it is I took tomorrow off. I like cleared my whole calendar tomorrow and everything that I was going to do tomorrow, I put today. But then today, I had the update. I wasn't supposed to have the update. You know, it's thrown everything off, but in a good way, in sort of a fun way. So this is going to be a short episode? No, no. I mean, some part of me wants it to be, but I want to make the episode I want to make and the episode I prepared for, which has plenty of text to go with it. All right. I baked an apple crisp and oh. it came out really good. I'm very proud of that. What type of apples did you use? My boyfriend's mom went apple picking and they didn't like the apples, but they got a ton of them. So they baked with the apples and then they still had a bunch left over. So they gave them to me and then I baked with them into this crisp. So I don't know what kind they are. They are like a kind that is not particularly good for eating raw, but was really good in this crisp. But they're not green. They're red. So you're trading apples back and forth with your boyfriend's mom. Yes, absolutely. Apples okay. for apples. Wow. That is some domestic shit right there. That's cool. Yeah. Domestic as fuck. Yeah. So just like cuddling my cat, baking an apple crisp, going on a full autumnal walk, mm -hmm. cozying up and playing Animal Crossing. You know, I'm like very cottage core right now. Cottage core? I like that. Yeah. So without further ado, mm -hmm. let's get into it yeah let's do it we have a listener question yes we received a marvelous listener question which i'm so excited to explore and i will read it now 
My question for the Talmud hotline. WTF is going on in Kiddushin 82A. Given how much the cultural significance the Jewish doctor has, I figured the Talmud would be overflowing with pro-doctor and pro-medicine sentiment. But the most prominent sugya I could find discussing them says they go to hell. But then wasn't Maimonides a doctor? What's going on here? Thanks, a first-year medical student who is very critical of the current institution of medicine, but also confused about the thoughts of Talmudic and modern rabbis. Wow. Okay. Thank you, listener. So I'm going to ask you for your thoughts, but first I'm going to read the section that the listener is referencing. So on Kiddushin 82a, which is a book that's nominally about some marriage laws, but actually, as all things of the Talmud are, is about everything. There is this little section of Talmud where it's this genre of sugya that we reference often on this show where just various rabbis are saying like, here's this one thing that I think. And another rabbi is like, here's another thing. It's not from the Torah. It's just like an idea I had. You know, they're like, salt is from the devil. And then the next guy is like, mustard is from the devil. And then they're like, okay, you know, you know, you know. Yeah, the genre I know, I know, about. I know. So we're in about. one of those Talmudic moments where we come across this little saying: "Tov shebarofim legehinam uhakasher shebatabachim shel Amalek." The best of the doctors is for Gehenna, aka hell, and even the fittest of butchers is the partner of Amalek, who is like the sort of archetypical enemy of the Jews. Oh. And, you know, we just talked about Gehenna last week, so we know we know how dramatic that is. Yeah, I didn't know. realize yeah. how thematically connected these episodes were, but they kind of are. We don't know what Gehenna is, but we know it's dramatic, whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> yes. That's what we figured Whatever out. it is, it's very dramatic. So, Michael, what do you think about that? Okay, okay. So there's a connection between butchers and doctors, or are they metaphorically calling the doctors butchers? I think it is, it's sort of like a saying, like, the only sure things in life are death and taxes. They're just, like, saying different things about different professions. Oh, I see. Okay, you know? okay, okay. They're okay. like, the only two things you should never let into your house, a doctor and a butcher, you know? What's wrong with a butcher? Yeah, I had to list that because it is part of the sentence, and it. I felt obligated to list it, but we're not going to get into what's wrong with butchers today because it was enough just to research what the hell was going on with doctors. I understand they're not as nice and good looking as the tailor. (laughs) Some of us liked Laser Wolf, okay? Yeah, Laser Wolf is totally your type. Stocky, compact, kind of fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Laser Wolf is underrated, okay? I'm here to say it. I know she didn't want Laser Wolf, and ultimately that's what's most important, but... Laser Wolf. I heart Laser Wolf is what I'm here to say. You heart Laser Wolves. Doctors. I'm very curious about why the Jews don't like doctors. Yeah. Do you think the best of doctors are for hell? Uh, the best of doctors? I mean, yeah. the, the best ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should go to hell for sure. Yeah, It's like the best from among the doctors is sort of. Oh, uh, I see. The best from among the doctors sort of belongs to hell or is like qualified for hell. This is the best within the context of doctors uh, idea of best. Yeah, even the best of them are hellions. Okay. Why do you agree? What's up? Why do you think doctors should go to hell? Why do you hate doctors, Michael? Oh, I don't know. I I, I just don't. I, they just, they're pretentious and they often don't understand the context that they're working within. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just find them to be annoying gatekeepers and generally a hassle. Yeah. I agree, especially as a trans person. The current doctor who is my primary care physician is the best doctor I've ever had. 
And what qualifies her as the best doctor I've ever had is that there's nothing actively bad or torturous about her. <laughs> also, uh, one particular thing that always annoys me about doctors as a trans person is they always like think they have an original idea about trans healthcare. I went to an eye doctor not long ago. And I was talking to her about various eye complaints. She was literally like Googling in front of me. And she was like, oh, like maybe it's connected to your hormones. I'm looking at this article here. I'm like, "Not you're not the person, ma'am, that's going to discover some new thing about hormones during this appointment with me. Okay? Just, it's, it's just my eyes. Okay? Back off. Oh and God. every doctor is like, ooh, like this is the first trans person I've ever had in my office. I'm going to like have a exotic medical experience uh and it's weird it's weird and it's annoying that's annoying that's annoying historically i have known more about my hormones than doctors i feel like i usually dictate my prescriptions to them therefore it pains me even more to pay them money do you remember that time when i took you to the emergency room when was at the time there was like a nurse or somebody who was like it was a resident it was a doctor yeah and the doctor was like you didn't fill out the section where it says you're on birth control right and you were like oh i'm trans right and then she was like oh it looks great <laughs> It looks great. And I was like, what is the it here? Like my boob? I don't know. Whatever it is, though, it was oh, great. It looks great. Um, okay, enough personal complaining about doctors. Let's get into historical complaining about doctors. Yeah, I'm very curious. I mean, I I'm assuming where they're coming from is medicine kind of sucked until like the early 1900s, right? Yes, that'll be the very last thing we talk about. Okay. First, as I often do on our shows, instead of giving you an answer immediately, I'm going to complicate our understanding of what's going on here. So on Bavakama 85A, there is this sugya where they're talking about the five categories of damages that people are liable for. So like your lost wages, your medical expenses, you know, stuff like that. We have this little phrase the Tanya de Bay Rabbi Yishmael Omer Wurafa Yirafa Mikan Shanitan Reshut Le Rofe Le Refuot. It was taught by the school of Rabbi Yishmael because it says in this sugya, and he shall pay for his medical expenses. This is how we learn that a physician is explicitly granted the permission to heal. The way in which this is complicating the picture for me is this seems to be like an endorsement, an active endorsement an inclusion of doctors into the halachic system. It's saying like doctors are approved to heal. It's sort of like halacha is saying like we have a contract with doctors. If you are covered under the halacha plan, you are obligated to pay medical expenses. Right, right, right. Or um, entitled to receive medical expenses from the person who's injured you. Okay, okay. So because formally part of the cost of the damages is paying for medical care. It's an indirect endorsement of using physicians. Exactly. Uh, I get that, but why do you even need an indirect endorsement? Is there a reason that we should think that physicians shouldn't be endorsed by halakha? Yeah, so there are a couple reasons. I didn't bring the exact sugyas on these, but there are a couple things we could talk about. There's some stuff later in Bavakama where it talks about Basically, whether we can consent to be permanently maimed, the answer ultimately the Talmud comes to is no, we can't. And so you might say there's a question of like, can you consent for a doctor to amputate your arm if that's the case? 
right? And then the question of whether amputating your arm is truly healing or not becomes very relevant. Okay, 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 fine. Right. Sure, sure, sure. So that's the most obvious case. The other case I could see is this is referencing someone who's like, well, it says God is the healer in the Torah, so that means only God should heal us and we shouldn't seek medical care. And this, while seemingly wacky to us, is something that plagues many religious groups today. Is this just something that is a conjecture, or is this something that you actually pick up on in reading the Talmud, that there is this idea floating around? There is actually a sugya that discusses this. Okay. So, at least one person had that thought in the Talmudic process. So it sounds like it's conceivable that there could be tension between physicians and the rabbis because, number one, their power is almost equivalent to God's, or they're claiming to have a power that should only be God's, and two, it's unclear that they actually do any good depending on how you define good in these kind of edge cases of cutting off arms and stuff like that. Right. Both of those concerns are relevant to the sort of discussion we have at hand here. Okay, got it. So now we're going to get to one of the most direct answers we're going to get all day today. Rashi, our dear old medieval French commentator, comes along on this sugya to say, Eino yira min hacholi, umachalu b'riaim, wa'eino mishaber lebo lemakom ufa'amim shehoreg nafshot b'yato, lerefrot ha'ayni wa'eino merafa. So the best of doctors go to hell. What does this mean? They don't fear disease. They eat the food of the healthy. They do not act humbly before God. Sometimes they kill, and sometimes they are able to heal a poor person, but do not do so. So Rashi's got a couple reasons here. Okay. The first reason is they do not fear disease. There are a couple ways you could read this one particular reason. My sense is just that Rashi is like, this is a shitty thing to do. This is correlated to their arrogance and, see, and yeah. what he says later, that they don't act humbly before God. So I think one of the reasons Rashi is saying all doctors go to hell is because they sort of believe in their own power more than the divine power. Mm-hmm. Sure, 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 sure. Um, they eat the food of the healthy. I read a modern commentary on this Rashi, and this modern commentator's reading of this food of the healthy thing was essentially like, doctors know what foods they should eat to stay healthy, and so they do stay healthy, and therefore they're like out of touch with the experience of people who are not able to do that. Essentially, they're like living in a world insulated from sickness. Oh, 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 I see. So like they eat the food of the healthy. They're like a privileged class of people. Yeah. A modern interpretation of this would be they have banging health insurance. (laughs) Yeah, they have good health insurance and a good wage and really stable employment and incredible like barriers to entry for their field and a wonderful moat around their entire profession that prevents them from feeling the magnitude of normal people's problems. Right. You could say all of that is not the doctor's fault, possibly because it's like a structural factor of society. But the thing that gets Rashi is that these factors lead them to arrogance in the face of Hashem. And so that's the the quality that Rashi is calling out. And then we sort of have this second pair of things, which is sometimes they kill and sometimes they are able to heal a poor person, but do not do so, which are both great, super solid reasons, I think. Sometimes they do a malpractice 
And sometimes they deny you health care because you're poor. Rashi said universal health care now. <laughs> I wonder if it's, if it's like malpractice or it's like sometimes they kill, but they're not humble about it. Like, it's okay to kill. Like, it's okay to accidentally, you know, to attempt to try to heal someone and kill. But it's really the killing while not being humble is really the is, Right. It's, it's the what if you kill someone out of your arrogance because you think you can heal them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's all, like, relatable stuff. It's it's crazy that this is, you know, how who knows how much we're back projecting, but it is crazy to think that Rashi and maybe even these rabbis are complaining about things that still exist now. Still exists now. It's nuts. Yes, absolutely. That will be a theme throughout our day. We're going to continue on to a quote from Rambam. All right. And I have to say, I couldn't find sources that explained the disconnect between this statement and Rambam's career as a doctor. I'm sure someone out there has probably written a dissertation on it, but I couldn't find it, but it's still really interesting. Rambam says, medical interventions are nothing but a danger. What heals one person kills another. And this is what they meant when they said the best doctors go to hell to disparage the practice of physicians and their malpractice. That's interesting. Like the first thing that comes to mind is hospice care or people who want to die in their home. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes the preference for extending life on the part of the medical professionals, which is at odds with the preference of the person or the family members who want mm-hmm. to just have a good quality of life. It's like the thing that they say is healing is actually killing them mm-hmm. in this kind of, depending on how you define these words and depending on how you look at it. I like that metaphorical reading. I think on a surface level, it's also just Rambam is sort of saying like, we don't know enough to be doing medicine. <laughs> Essentially, like we're just throwing shit at the wall and gambling with people's lives. I mean, I sometimes feel that now and it's 2021. I'm sure it felt more like that then. Yeah, I mean, something that has always deeply bothered me is that trans women essentially like invented our own HRT protocols and then doctors, cis doctors learn them from trans women and now sell them back to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That feels related somehow. One of my very first doctors bragged about how he learned a lot of what he knew about HRT by working with AIDS patients in the 80s. And I was like, that's not, you see how that's worse, don't you? (laughs) Like, do you see how that's bad and how you should just be doing this, like, for free? Yeah, you know, it reminds me when I was living with Sam and we'd have these old historical discussions. One of the things that came up was like, what's considered medicine versus what's considered some magic or, or folk folk wisdom. Mm-hmm. How like medicine is this slippery term, like, like the same phenomenon that you described, where it's like medicine used to not necessarily be any better than folk medicine. It could be just as dangerous mm-hmm. or, or, or it could be even more dangerous. But the fact that medicine is this kind of like Katamari ball, it's able to like acquire things that seem to work, but shed itself of any history of not doing bad. It's very strange right. Like you could say, oh, medicine is good. And, and if you look at it and realize medicine is the stuff that works. If that's your definition of medicine, then you just have a tautology. Right. It's this kind of annoying cycle of thought that it's hard to break and hard to have discussions with people in the field about. I 100% get what you're saying. I am with you. I'm 100% with you on this. So now we're going to hear two different perspectives. I'm going to I'm going to put these two together. I'm going to read them together. The first one is from Shlomo Ibn Verga, who lived in Spain in 1460 to 1554. 
He says the physician should act as if hell itself is open before him if his treatments kill the patient. In this way, he will act with caution and diligence. The, quote, best of physicians is one who acts as if he might one day inherit hell unless he is appropriately careful and attentive. And our complimentary perspective to that from the Maharal, a.k.a. Judah bin Bedsal al-Levia from Prague from 1512 to 1609. A physician who is not also an expert in God's Torah will view his subjects as nothing but material beings. Therefore, he is destined to hell. Whoa. Yeah. So we have sort of two answers that are touching on a similar theme here. One of them is that the reason the Talmud says all physicians go to hell or all physicians are for hell, literally the preposition is to, the best from the physicians are to hell, is because physicians should act essentially as if they're on the precipice of Gehenna at all times, and that their professional conduct, that's what's at stake. Okay. Which, uh, you know, is kind of dope. From my perspective as a patient, it sounds really stressful. I'd be cool with them being casual with my life if it was just easier to access them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like right now, it already feels like they're casual with my life, <laughs> but it's such a, a multi-month awful bureaucratic process to like even talk to one. Mm-hmm. But if they were casual and like they're and they were like, you know, this might this is total bullshit, but they were easy access. Right. Then it's it fine. might be a whole different story. And then the Maharal sort of has this other perspective, which is sort of basically seems like a bedside manner critique. That is essentially like you sort of need to view your patients, uh, I think the Maharal would say as as Torah people or as spiritual beings, but I think we can we can understand that to mean like to understand them not as objects or like merely the subjects of your treatment, but as rich and infinite like yeah. pieces of the divine. Oh, this is getting me so steamed up. I'm already imagining the counter-argument of the doctor to that <laughs> and my counter-argument to their counter-argument. Ugh. Right, right. You never win an argument with a doctor. No. I'm sorry to our listener who is a first-year medical student that we are also trash-talking doctors. Yeah. Um, I'll just take this opportunity to say, like, you know, I said I have the best doctor I've ever had in my life right now, and that is so good. Like, a good doctor is so good. And I know we're talking a lot of smack right now and getting out all of our bad doctor feelings. But to you, first-year medical student, I will just say, like, good doctors have truly meant a lot in my life the few times that I've come across them. Yeah, and, you know, it's easy for us to also to conflate the terrible system that surrounds doctors with doctors. It's frustrating that they don't seem to be aware of it. Right. All the time. But yeah, I mean, I would be fine with mediocre doctors if it was like mediocre bakers. I just go to the other bakery. You know, it's it's easy. Also, it's our job to be bitchy. So that's true. That's take true. that into account. Yes. I want to bring this marvelous little quote. This is from Dr. Jeremy Brown. So this person, Dr. Jeremy Brown, I got a lot of my sources from him. He has this great article on his website, which is called Talmudology. Um, so he's a doctor and he had a whole post where I pulled a lot of sources for this. So definitely worth checking out. And he's written a couple books. I thought this summed up the situation pretty well. He says, the history of doctors doing more bad than good is a long and sad tale. From the time of Hippocrates until about 1865, when Lister pioneered antiseptic surgery, if you were sick, injured, or ailing, you were better off not going to a doctor. Let me repeat that to be sure there is no misunderstanding. Until about 1865, all doctors did more harm than good. 1865. 
I know. 1865, people. Fully insane. Basically, between the time of the Tanaim and like up until the Industrial Revolution, you had about the same chances. So that in itself, dear listener, dear listeners, is the most obvious interpretation of this. If you accept the opinion of Reb Jeremy that medical practice did more harm than good for that whole time period, it's pretty easy to understand how even the best of doctors could be understood as going to hell. Because if you think about it, let's imagine it's statistically true that all doctors in that time did more harm than good, or like the majority of doctor experiences were did more harm than good. To choose to be a doctor in that moment, you sort of have to like have the audacity to be like, except for me, I'm different. I'm the good one. Which maybe is what Maimonides was thinking in that little Maimonidean quote is like, all medical interventions suck, except I do super cool ones. Now, okay, medicine's pretty cool, does pretty awesome things. And doctors. Yeah, for some stuff. And doctors have attitudes. They still had those attitudes back then. That's crazy to me. At least now it's kind of justifiable, at least a little bit. To me, it is most connected with an understanding of doctors as being arrogant in a way that causes people irreparable harm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is at stake in the Tanaitic source. And I think that's still a a doctor archetype that is present today. But this doesn't address like the other part of the listener's question, which is why are Jews nowadays so enamored of the profession where's this switch occurring where's the inflection yeah, point what's I mean, going I on think here i didn't bring a well-researched answer to that but it seems obviously to me that it's about a white flight model minority situation that happened in mid-century america in the jewish community where jews sort of took their opportunity to like accrue generational wealth and assimilate into the upper and middle classes. And like the valorization of the doctor was a part of that. There was a lot happening with the doctor in mid-century America in terms of like science becoming a much bigger part of people's lives and understanding of their own bodies. I kind of wonder if it's earlier than that. If, If 1860s is when stuff starts to get exciting and real, that's during the time when there's a secular movement happening and you have this, you have a certain class of people who have been trained to value debate and logical thinking who suddenly don't have the outlet in the, you know, ancient religious texts to go towards. And now they have to find something else that feeds their sense of self. Yeah. I think the reason I throw the piece in there about like it has something to do with assimilation slash with like that mid-century immigrant experience is because there are also stereotypes and cultural pressures for a lot of other immigrant folks to become doctors or equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, I'm sure, connected to the Haskalah, the Jewish Enlightenment in some way. And also it seems like it's like a broad trend that is happening across more than just Jewish culture. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Personally, that was not the case. As far as I can tell, Russian Jewish immigrants from like the late 80s, early 90s, not a lot of pressure to become doctors. But didn't you have pressure to become a math baby? Yeah, yeah, like science, engineering, that kind of stuff. You had pressure to be a fancy professional. Oh, sure, 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 sure. It just was a different fancy professional slot that you were being shoved into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it was never doctor. And most of the people I knew who I now avoid were also not pressured to be doctors. But yeah. So that's my take on the question, listener. I hope it has been helpful to you. I'm sorry if it felt mean 
to you. I think you're great. And I don't want this to come across as a personal thing. And also that all of the texts we were reading were about shitty doctors, which predisposed me to shit talk doctors. So if they had been about like the nobility of the best of doctors, I'm sure this would have been a totally different episode. But hopefully this answers your question about what was happening in the Talmud, at least. And thank you for sending us such a thoughtful question. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We wish you luck. We hope you pass all your quals and get the residency you want. And that you go and heal people and, you know, just generally, you know. What's coming up next week, Hal? What's coming <laughs> up next week? Uh, next week, we're going to have a dope listener question about um, memorializing controversial figures. Oh. Yeah. I'm really excited. I found some really good stuff about it. It's like organized in a really logical way, which is rare on this show. So I'm very excited to bring it. You all are great. If you're not a patron, become a patron. If you are a patron, take advantage of your perks. We love giving them to you. And we'll see you in the funny papers, I guess. Shavua Tov. Shavua Tov.